Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. And today, our, our text is going to be pulled uh, with a, a thought process of learning while leading. Okay, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, Scripture teaches this. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. They set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Look at verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. That's about a half a mile. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. Last verse, verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord, watch this, will do wonders among you. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this people. I thank you for the opportunity to let your word go forth in these airwaves. Thank you, Lord, that you're changing us, transforming us, and making us brand new. We're ready to see the wonders of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm still of the belief that God wants to do supernatural miracles. He wants to do signs and miracles, and he wants to do wonders in your life. I believe it's important, no matter how old or young you are, I don't care if you're 7 or if you're 77, God's call on your life is still real. He has a mandate. He has ordained a plan for you, sir, for you, madam. God has not overlooked you. I, I, I love the story of Joshua. As a matter of fact, Joshua is uh, probably one of the most, uh, my, one of my favorite people to preach about and talk about because Joshua, he was a world changer. He was a generational uh, impact to his people. And uh, Joshua was the kind of guy, you would, he may have never thought that he would have been the one who would have taken over the reins and led the two million people that, that Moses had done prior. He was, Moses started out with these people. And for 40 years, Moses led them. We know he, he led them out of captivity. He, they, they, they were in the desert place. And they seemed to be just going in circles. And God was trying to get out of the people some things they needed to have taken out in their hearts to shift their mentality so that they could handle what God was going to do in their life. And here's Joshua raised in this, and, and who, he would have never thought that Moses would be the one to be, uh, his life would be taken at an early time, and God would position him to lead his people. So in some ways, I, I got a feeling that um, Joshua was having to learn while he was leading. He was, he was shifted. He was positioned in a place for God to do something in his life maybe a little sooner than what he would have thought. At this time, he was about 80 years old. But back in those days, 80, was, he was just getting started. And, uh, but I love Joshua because he was something about his heart, something about his passion. He was just a, an effective leader. And I believe now more than ever, if we're going to see God do supernatural miracles and wonders in our lives, leaders have got to stand up. 
Leaders must arise and say, you know what, I'm ready to lead by example. I'm ready to lead without any complications and or restrictions. I won't be held back. I will walk by faith and not by sight. And that was the testimony of Joshua. Today, I believe there's a few things. I'm going to break it down to four things that we can learn uh, about the wonders of God and how we can learn while leading. Uh, There's four things that we can do. Number one, in the life of Joshua and even the children of Israel here in this passage, uh, the Bible says that in verse one that Joshua rose early in the morning. Let's stop right there. It's important you recognize as a good leader, as a mother and a father, you're leading your family and your children. When God gives you instructions... God gave the instructions to Joshua of exactly what he was supposed to do. Number one, it's important we recognize that immediate obedience is required. Immediate obedience is required. We cannot put off what God has told us to do because of fear, because of worry, because of the unknown. Okay, Joshua was a man who, when God told him to do something, he didn't question it. He didn't try to figure it out. What is it that God has called you to do that you may be procrastinating about? Let's get this straight, okay? Let's get this real clear today. Delayed obedience is disobedience. That's something I'm trying to teach my children, especially my 12-year-old daughter. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And it's important when we're walking in delayed obedience... It may be because we're trying to figure this out or we're trying to make sure God isn't making this mistake. Listen to me. When you're walking by faith, you don't try to figure out what God's doing. You can't keep questioning him, wondering if he's got it all uh, lined out the way you want it to be lined out. That's not faith. We must be obedient to the word and the will of God for our lives. Can I tell you something from Moses? Uh, He really wasn't as... uh, as effective and or as active about obeying the voice of God as Joshua was. You remember Moses in the book of Exodus when he was called on the backside of the desert. The Bible says that God came to him in, in the burning bush and he, he says, hey, I know your name. You found favor. I know who you are. I got a plan for your life. You're going to lead my people out of bondage. You're going to go to Pharaoh. And here's Moses. And the first thing he says is, hey, <laughs> who am I going to say sent me? What am I going to tell them? And God says, just tell them I am that I am. And just like many of us, when God tells us to do something and to obey his word, we'll make excuses. Moses starts making excuses. But God, I don't have anything. How, how am I going to convince them? And God, he, he, he again, he says, man, Moses, what do you got in your hand? You got a stick. I've given you everything that you need. Moses continued to doubt and question the will and the purpose of God. Before you know it. It was Moses who would say, man, you realize I can't even talk. I'm not that good of a communicator. How am I going to be able to uh, make your instructions known? And God was like, listen, I've got that handled. I'll put my words in your mouth. I'm even going to send you someone to encourage you. His name's Aaron. He's your brother. What was God doing? He was taking away all the excuses. All I'm saying is that Moses, like many of us, had had plenty of excuses to try to not do what God was saying to do while trying to figure out what God was doing. <laughs> it's almost a, a spiritual delay, and we think it's, it's a spiritual thing. No, no, it's the enemy trying to discourage us and put us in a position to think, God's not big enough to handle my situation. Or God really, really doesn't know what I'm dealing with or what my, my circumstances are. But here, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 19, says this, One man's disobedience, Adam, 
back in the garden, opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. So also one man's obedience, Jesus, opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to him. See, Moses is not the one I think we should look at when it comes to He did a great job, and God used him mightily. Today, I really want us to look at how Joshua chose to immediately obey God's word. And it's important if we're going to learn why we're leading, if we're going to see the wonders of God, we must learn how to be men and women who will obey immediately. Not, not half-heartedly, not uh, with complacency, but recognizing that God knows best for our family and for our lives. Number two, if we're going to see the wonders of God, we must fearlessly face, have faith and recognize it's a necessity. Let me say it like this. Fearless faith is a necessity. Fearless faith is a necessity. The Bible says in verse 1, the latter part of it, that, that Joshua took God's people and he placed them in front of what is called the Jordan River. He told them, we're going to go to the promised land. We're going to go to a place that flows with milk and honey. Joshua was a man, watch, that was fearless and focused on his calling and his purpose. And I believe that if we're going to learn while leading, we must learn how to allow fear to be pushed aside and have faith be a necessity in our lives. We must recognize that God chose us to be led by, watch, be led by faith, not by fear. The Bible says in in Joel 2.21, Don't be afraid, O land. Be glad now and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. What was Joel saying? He's saying you can't do anything if you're walking in fear and doubt and unbelief. Joshua was a man who did not question God's plans. What would happen if you stopped walking in fear and you started walking in faith? I'm here to tell somebody today, if we're going to see the wonders and the signs and the miracles that God has for us, we must have fearless faith and recognize it's not an option. It's a necessity. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says it like this, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Scriptures tells us, even in this very position, uh, that for three days the children of Israel would encamp in front of uh, the Jordan River. And at this season, this was the harvest season. This was in April, actually, according to the uh, studies that I found. And there was a mountain called Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon would be full of snow and ice in the wintertime. But at this time, it was all melting and it was flowing down into the Jordan River, which would cause the water to to be moving very fastly, probably more like rapids. The word Jordan actually means to descend. It would descend down into what's called the Dead Sea. So at this season, at this time, the Jordan River was 50 times wider than it normally would have been. It was overflowing its banks, the Bible tells us. But yet it was Joshua who brought the children of Israel and they camped for three days at this bank looking at these roaring rapids. If there's one way you could probably picture it, if you've ever been to Colorado Springs, you could, you could think of the Colorado River. If you've ever seen the rapids, I mean... It, you can imagine trying to get over or cross over. But God said we're going over there. God said the promise is in, over here in this place. Can you imagine what they're feeling? They're encamped out. 
and they see the waters and they see the, ra- the, the rapids and, and it's an impossible situation. I'm here to tell you fearless faith is a necessity. You cannot go by what you see. We must be men and women who are not walking by sight, but we are walking by faith. God is calling us to be leaders who are fearless, who will not be controlled by what they see in the natural, but rather choose to hear what the Father is saying in the spiritual. The Bible says over 300 times in your Bible, in in many ways, that we are not to fear. See, the power of God rests in you. It doesn't just rest in your pastor. It doesn't just rest in your mom and your dad. It doesn't just rest in your sister or your brother. It rests in you today. I'm talking to you. It rests in you as a son and as a daughter. You, have, you can do great exploits. Jesus gave you the power over the enemy. Jesus gave you the power when he conquered death, hell, and the grave for you to walk in victory in all things. As sons and daughters, we must learn how to take the authority that we've been given through the name that's above every name. And recognize that there's nothing impossible to them that believe. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says it like this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead you received God's Spirit when you, He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Easton, my my little nine-year-old son, he had lost a tooth about a year ago. And uh, Brooke and I had placed the tooth underneath his bed. And and, uh, he he was so excited. Never seen the boy so excited to go to bed. But he he went to bed. And and, and as we said our our prayers, uh, before we even left the room, he was already looking underneath his pillow. He was expecting the tooth fairy to come and bring him a little uh, change and and so he was excited. He goes to bed. Brooke and I, we went on with our night. And actually, I forgot uh, that the tooth fairy needed to go uh, stop by the bedroom before I went to sleep. So I woke up actually about 2 or 3, three o'clock in the morning. And I, I slipped upstairs. And I was like, well, uh, the tooth fairy's got to make a little visit. So uh, I, I walk up there and, I, and I, I, I put a little something underneath the pellet. And the next morning, Brooke knows he's up because, I mean, he's running around. He's excited. And he's found something underneath that pellet. And he, he, she says, what, did, what happened? What, what, did, what did they bring you? And uh, Tooth Fairy, he said, look, Mama, look, Mama. Tooth Fairy brought me uh, $20. Well, you can imagine the face, facial look she was giving me when uh, I walked in the room with my coffee. And she's like, $20? The Tooth Fairy gave $20 for one tooth? <laughs> uh, she wasn't too happy with me. And, uh, you know, uh, if Mama's not happy, and how many understands, then nobody's happy. Right? And, and, and I laughed and I chuckled a little bit. I said, Brooke, I, I, and I whispered, I said, baby, you, you remember Easton had a birthday just a couple of months ago. I said, you remember Easton got all that, those cards and some people gave money and we gave him a little birthday uh, a drawer. We put that money in that birthday drawer. I said, uh, I just took one of the 20s out of the birthday drawer he had and I put it under his pillow. And we laughed and she's like, okay. We laughed a little bit. What I'm saying is, Easton already had the treasure that he was so excited about at that moment. He already had it. He just never tapped into it. It's kind of like you and me. We've already been given the treasure we need as sons and daughters 
who's been saved by grace, delivered and set free. We have a power and authority, all power and authority. And we, we've left it over here in the drawer for other people to tap into. We've stopped tapping into the anointing and the gifts that's, and the callings that's been placed on our lives. And I just want you to know something. There's a treasure. There's a power that you can have access to through the name of Jesus. There's a treasure. There's an anointing that you can have access to when you don't walk in fear. But you take it up and you walk by faith. And you recognize that for, for God I'll live and for God I'll die. It's important also to know. Scripture says it like this, Joel, in second, excuse me, in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says it like this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, I love that, see when you're led by the Spirit of God, something shifts, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I like it in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Check this scripture out. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of, watch, the power may be of God and not of us. See, the power isn't of you, it's of God. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed. But not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus also may be, may be watch this, manifested in our body. Whew. You have the treasure. You have the power. And you have the authority to walk by faith and not by sight. Joshua had a fearless faith. Thirdly, write this down. Acknowledge God's presence as priority. Acknowledge God's presence as priority. I love Joshua. He does not say, I'm the leader, follow me. No, no. He makes it real clear. He says, no, God is the leader and we are going to follow God. As if to say, if God don't go, we're not going to go. He knew without God and his presence, there would be no glory. Can I tell you something? Without God's presence, there's no reason to go through the motions of going to church. There's no reason to go through the motions of preaching another message, singing another song. We're just going to have an, a building full of people with no glory, no anointing, and no change. But can I tell you something? Joshua looked at those people in, in, in about the verse, verse 3 or so, and he says, When you see the ark of the Lord... Being carried by the priest, he makes this declaration. He says, when you see God move, then you move. Don't get too close. Because I want you to be able to make adjustments. Because we haven't ever went where we're, where we're going, and God has. Can I tell you something? You need to know that God's going to take you places you've never been before. God's going to take you to heights you've never been before. He's going to take you over mountains you've never faced before. You may face struggles. You may go through trials. And, and, and like the book of uh, the Scripture teaches us, no weapon that's formed against us is going to be prospered. Listen to me. You may have weapons formed. Isaiah 54 says, 17 says it best. But those weapons will not 
prosper against you. Matter of fact, the Bible says every tongue that rises against you will fall and be condemned. Oh, I'm thankful that I've got a master. I've got a savior. I've got a king who will stand up for me in the midst of battle, in the midst of chaos. I don't have to fear and I don't have to worry. I can know that his presence, if he's going with me, I'll never fail. I will accomplish that that I've been sent out to do. Because I'm walking not in my own authority, but in the authority above all. His name is Jesus. If his presence don't go with us, church, I don't want to go. If we don't have the anointing, I don't want nothing about it. I don't want to do nothing with it. We need the presence of God. We want to see the wonders of God. We want to see the miracles of God. If we're going to learn while we're leading, we must recognize that his presence is the most precious thing that we have access to. If God's not going, we ain't going. I like the way John chapter 5 verse 19, this was actually Jesus. And I think we, the one person we should learn from is Jesus. John chapter 5 verse 19 says it like this. This is the passion version. So Jesus said, I speak to you timeless truth. The son is not able to do anything from himself or through my own initiative. I only do, look at that. The works that I see the Father doing. For the Son does not does the same works as the Father. You know what Jesus did? He, he did his Father's will and he did nothing else. Let me say that again. Jesus did his Father's will and he did nothing else. The problem is a lot of times our will's getting in the way of the Father's will. And like King Saul, if you look at his life, you'll see many times he would get ahead of God. He would try to perform in ways he was never called to perform. And before you know it, it became about people. It became about likes on Facebook. It became about likes on Instagram. It became about the popularity of men and women more than about the presence of God. And if we look at the life of even Saul, we'll see that God had to correct him through the prophet Samuel. And scripture tells us he actually was corrected in a way that said, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. What that simply means is God says, I would rather you obey me than go to church and go through the ritual where you pray just to make yourself feel better. Where you give your tithe just to say, well, I did it. No, no. God's looking for people who recognize that without him, without his glory, without his anointing, nothing's worth living. Nothing's worth doing. I don't know about you, but I want to be a man. I want to be a father. I want to be a leader that recognizes God's presence is the most important thing that I have access to. Last but not least, I want to leave you with this thought. The fourth thought, while learning, while leading, to see the wonders of God, we must be men and women who recognize that the wonders of God can't be limited by the boxes of man. The wonders of God cannot be limited by the boxes of man. And let me explain that. Verse 5 in our text says, Joshua talks to the children of Israel as they're sitting looking at these crazy rapids in this impossible situation. He prophesies to them. He says, guys, listen to me. Tomorrow, God's already told me we're going to see the wonders. We're going to see great miracles. We're going to see God do something we've never seen him do before. I wonder what would happen if you and I 
chose to take the limits off of God. What Joshua was saying and that's at that time was we must be people who are anticipating the supernatural powers of the God we say we serve. We must recognize that God's working all things out for the good to those who love him and who are called according to your purpose. See, that's a promise. That's not a possibility. That's a promise. He will work all things out for the good. If we love him, if we're called, if we choose to trust him more than we trust the circumstance, the situation, the storm, and even the river that's in front of us that makes things seem chaotic. Let's take God out of the box. No more limits. I wonder what would happen. I got this little box here. I wonder what would happen if in your life you chose to take the lid off. Like many lives, we have almost placed God in a box. And we've said, okay, God, you can handle this. You can handle this situation. You can handle that situation. But we put a lid on it. It's one thing to have a box. It's another thing to have a lid. A lid simply says there's no more room. I wonder what would happen if we all just poured ourselves out, emptied ourselves out of doubt and fear and unbelief and said, Lord, here I am. Here I'm an empty vessel. You can do whatever you want to do in my life. I trust you. I want to encourage you today. Take the limits off, off of God. Recognize he's a, he has all power. He has all authority. He has all healing, deliverance, salvation. No matter what you're facing today, God don't have to be limited by your box. You can trust and know that... He has the ability to, to move mountains. He has the ability, like David said, Yea, though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Thou rod and, and thou staff, they comfort me. He said, You're with me. <laughs> I got news for you. God's with you. You want to see wonders? Recognize and start seeing with your spiritual eyes. Recognize that though they've tried to keep him out of the court system, they've tried to keep him out of the, the, the political side of things, they've tried to push him out of schools, they've tried to push him out of your job. I got news for you. The world didn't give you what God has given you. We've got to start trusting the system that's a kingdom system. Start recognizing that if God's for us, no devil in hell can be against us. I just choose to believe today that the wonders of God far supersede anything that man can manipulate and try to entice us with. You got more money? Money can't bring me happiness. It can't bring you happiness. It can't bring you joy. You, get a, you, you have another marriage, you got another woman, you got another man. Listen to me. People, things, cars, houses, they will not satisfy you. Church, we got to get back to the miraculous wonders of God and of who He is. Don't allow what's in your box to limit what God wants to do in your life. Take the limits off. Let Him do wonders. Let Him transform you and change you. And make you brand new. I don't care what Oprah said. Hey, Oprah can't explain him. But she don't have the final say so. You know who does? God does. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's Jehovah Sikhanu. He's my God. He loves you. And like he told Moses, he's the great I am. Whatever you need, God will be. And he wants to do wonders in your life. Take the limits off.
Can you trust him enough today to simply say, God, I choose your will for my life. I'm setting at the banks of chaos. I'm setting at the bank of trouble and trial. And I'm wondering, how is this going to happen? But today, I can let you know this. You've been given a promise. You'll live and not die. Romans 10 and 9 says, if, you can, if any man calls upon the name of the Lord, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, Jesus died and rose again, you will be saved. My prayer for you today is the greatest wonder, the greatest miracle you could ever experience is to say yes to Jesus. He's already said yes to you. Are you ready? Let's pray this prayer today. Let's believe together that God's going to do supernatural miracles. Maybe it's for you that are watching. Maybe you need, to, you need salvation. We're going we're gonna to pray a prayer right now. Maybe before we pray this prayer, somebody else, you need a healing in your body. He's already been wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities, and he bore stripes on his back for your healing. Maybe you need a job. You need a financial breakthrough. I'm here to tell you, God's going to do supernatural miracles and wonders in your life right now. I believe it. I stand in agreement with you right now. Let's pray. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross, and I believe you rose again. In Jesus' name, I believe I'm saved. Somebody else say this prayer. Say, thank you, Father, for my healing. I stand in agreement by faith. I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, that my finances are taken care of. I trust and believe that your promises are yes and amen. If you prayed that prayer, not only do we believe you just got saved and gave your heart to the Lord, we believe that you've been healed, you've been delivered, you've been set free. Your faith has activated God's word in your life. Would you message us? Would you let us know what God's doing in your life? We want to help you. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. Here's the, here's the one thing I want, to, want you to remember in this story as you keep studying it, the wonders of God. It was the children of Israel who had to sanctify themselves. In other words, if they were going to see the wonders of God, one thing they had to do was they had to separate themselves. They had to come out from among them, set some things aside that didn't really matter, and focus on what really did. Today, I believe God's going to do supernatural wonders in your life from this day forward. We love you. We're thankful that you're here. You've been watching. And until next time, we believe best is yet to come. God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. I trust and believe that God's word has strengthened your faith. Why don't you visit me at darrenfarmer.com and let's do life together on all social media platforms. And as always, your prayers and your financial giving is always welcome. God bless you.